0: Welcome to the Millennial Politics Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Valerie. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And today I'm joined by Renato Mariotti, Democratic candidate for Illinois Attorney General, as well as Nathan Rubin, founder of Millennial Politics. Thank you both for coming. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, of course. Could you tell us about your background and what inspired you
1: to run for Attorney General? Sure. So I was born in Chicago. My parents uh, were blue collar and they both worked. Uh, two jobs uh, to help make ends meet. Uh, Neither of them went to college. Uh, My dad was a barber during the day and he delivered newspapers at night. And my mom uh, worked at the local uh, State Farm Insurance agent answering the phones during the day. And then at night, her and my grandma would make crafts uh, and I would go with them on the weekends to the craft shows to sell the crafts. And that's how we made ends meet. Uh, I was fortunate, uh, thanks to their hard work, to go to the University of Chicago and Yale Law School. Uh, Ultimately, I came back to Chicago and became a federal prosecutor. I had that job for almost a decade and investigated all kinds of crime, everything from human trafficking, child exploitation, kidnapping. Uh, But I was best known as a white collar prosecutor. I was the first prosecutor in the country uh, to convict a high frequency trader, which are these guys who use high speed computers uh, to trade uh, faster than the blink of an eye, literally. Um, And I I convicted a lot of other people who defrauded the city of Chicago, defrauded their business partners, the elderly, vulnerable, etc. So I had a a series of uh, big trials uh, towards the end of my time at the U.S. Attorney's Office uh, and I was also battling cancer uh, privately at the same time. I was fortunate enough to win that battle and I decided after a long career there that it was time to move on and so a year and a half ago uh, I left the U.S. Attorney's office, uh, and we were in the midst of a general election campaign. Uh, you know, I thought I was going to be uh, taking a step back a little bit uh, from, you know, from uh, the public side of things. But uh, Donald Trump was on the ballot, and I did everything I could to try to um, move the ball forward in that election and get involved. I was raising money, volunteering my time. Um, you know, I was involved not only in the, you know, in the campaigns for Hillary Clinton and Tammy Duckworth, but also with the Sierra Club and uh, the uh, uh, Lawyers for Choice and League of Conservation Voters, and um, but but things changed a lot for me uh, when Donald Trump won. I mean, I, there weren't enough of us uh, who are who are leaning in and trying to defeat him. And when he won, I decided I needed to take what was sort of a part-time uh, gig of uh, of working against him to make it more of a full-time uh, job. And so I literally. I uh, started talking all over the place um, about Donald Trump, and that's probably why I'm here. That's how we got to uh, got to the point where I started uh, running for office. So Renato, you
2: mentioned your background as a prosecutor, mainly dealing with white collar crimes, financial crimes, things of that nature. And your your expertise in your background has really led you to become a leading voice on Twitter in the Trump Russia probe. So I'm curious, now that we're seeing it heat up even more, I have a few questions that I want to ask, but I'll preface it by saying You know, we have seen Putin and Russia become increasingly emboldened lately. People are saying Russia used a nerve agent on NATO soil in the UK to assassinate a former Russian spy. We just heard that the Trump administration said last week that Russia hacked into our power plants and our electrical grids. And on top of all this, The GOP has sat on the sidelines and allowed Trump to fire Comey, has allowed Jeff Sessions to fire Andrew McCabe, and Paul Ryan allowed Devin Nunes to close down the House Intelligence Committee investigation. And all of this is effectively giving cover to Trump and setting the stage for him to fire Bob Mueller. So my question, all of these things point to a large scale cover up, including Trump's own words on Twitter. So do you think we're in the midst of a slow moving constitutional crisis? Do you think Trump will fire Bob Mueller? And what can we do as citizens if and when that does happen?
1: Wow. These are huge questions and, and they're, I think they kind of underscore why I've been so active <laughs> Uh, over this past year uh, with Donald Trump in office. Uh, It is not surprising, I think, to anyone that, despite seeing this massive threat from Russia, uh, clearly they attacked our country. uh, And as you point out, they also recently had an attack on the soil of one of our closest allies. Uh, We're doing nothing about it, and it's because Donald Trump was the favored candidate of the Russian government, and he clearly, Feels like he has an affinity for them. Maybe he owes them one, uh, and and the Republicans aren't willing to stand up for him. Uh, stand up, excuse me, stand up against them. And I think that's because they know that um, Donald Trump is very popular amongst their base, and they care more about getting votes than they do about the United States of America and about defending our country. Um, so what do we do about it? Well, you know, I don't know whether or not Trump will fire Mueller. I mean, I I feel that. Part of the strategy is to try to undermine the investigation in every way he possibly can, uh, and then uh, potentially um, you know, win an impeachment battle or um, be able to offer an excuse for not cooperating with the Mueller investigation, not sitting down for an interview, uh, et cetera. Um, or he may try to weaken it slowly over time. I think he's testing the waters right now, trying to see whether or not he can get away with firing Mueller, get away. Uh, with trying to fire Rosenstein and then uh, try to shut down the probe. Uh, You know, what can we do about it? Well, look, um, one thing that I have said to to people online uh, over the past year is that you cannot sit back and wait for Bob Mueller to to change America. You absolutely have to get off your butts and change it yourselves because the criminal justice system is not meant to... um, transform politics or take big actions. It's meant to uh, investigate specific acts that are crimes under US law and then only take action when there's proof beyond a reasonable doubt. Uh, it's a slow-moving process. It's a limited process. I obviously have a lot of experience in it and I will tell you there are many times when I investigated crimes that were just ha- that were heinous and I couldn't do anything about it because I didn't have the evidence or it didn't, quite, um, it didn't quite amount to what I needed in order to, to indict. And what I would just say to everyone at home is, you ha- if you really care about these issues, instead of just liking something on Twitter or Facebook, get off your butt, uh, vote, mobilize, organize, because uh, that is what it's going to take to uh, take back this country.
2: So recently, within the last couple of days, news has come out that Facebook has banned the data analytics firm Cambridge Analytica after a whistleblower came forward um, and basically told the American public that Cambridge Analytica had leveraged the private information of 50 million American users and they were leveraging data points like private messages and other sensitive information. what is your reaction to this? And as Attorney General, what would you do to protect the private information of citizens, both online and offline?
1: Well, it's alarming. You know, we all knew that Facebook and social media played a big por- a big part in Trump's win. We also, I think, <clears throat> know by now that the Russians played a part in that, not only promoting the Trump campaign, but dividing us as Americans. Um, what I think is really alarming whenever... You hear about millions of users' data being used without their consent. Uh, and I will tell you, there's been almost a smug attitude on behalf of um, some of these companies like Facebook in terms of what they're going to do to respond to this problem. And I think investigation is warranted to defend the rights of consumers and, and defend the rights of of citizens who, you know, when they used Facebook, did not intend for their information to be used uh you know, by that firm and ultimately by the Trump campaign in that manner. I mean, there are millions, I think it's something like 9 million Facebook accounts in the state, you know, that are controlled by, by individuals who are residents of the state of Illinois. Uh, and I, I suspect many of those people would not have wanted their information shared uh, to the Trump campaign and would not have given their consent. Uh, and I'll tell you, it's why state's attorney generals are so important uh, right now, because we're living in a, at a time where the executive branch is doing as little as possible. Obviously, we can't count on Trump to uh, investigate Russia or do anything uh, regarding Cambridge Analytica. And it's ultimately up to the to, uh, state's attorney generals to, uh, to uh, take that on and take that uh, mantle.
2: Are you concerned about Russian interference in the midterm elections? And if so, what, what do you think states should be doing right now, proactively, to secure free and fair elections?
1: I'm very concerned about it, and uh, you know, it's hard not to be. The Department of Homeland Security said 21 states had their electoral systems penetrated by the Russians. Uh, My state of Illinois was one of them, and nothing is being done about it, very little. There's very little attention paid to it. I'm here on the ground in Illinois, I'm running for statewide office. I've been all around the state, I've talked to all sorts of people, and very few of them um, are paying any attention to this now some of the experts that I spoke to uh, including G- general Doug Lute, uh, who is our uh, President Obama's ambassador to NATO or our representative to NATO uh, said that this was a probing attack that this was um, one of the um, you know uh, it was meant it was it was meant to gain information to, to uh, enable a more dangerous and more widespread attack later on. And that's what concerns me. Uh, My concern is not only, okay, maybe they could, um, you know, steal some of our data, but what if they disrupted our systems and made it so that people couldn't trust the outcome of an election or um, results, um, you know, got uh, tampered with in some way or data got tampered with in some way and people lost trust in our system. I mean, to me, we have to protect our system uh, so that we can make sure that citizens have trust that their vote counts. So what should we be doing? Well, states need to investigate what happened and issue public reports uh, about uh, the intrusion by the Russian government, and I think we need to do that so that voters, uh, know what happened, know the extent of it, and then we need to take steps to ensure that we are ready for the next attack. We can't prevent the the Russians from attacking, but we can make sure we're ready. And that, that includes a paper trail, uh, includes uh, random auditing and sampling of results. Uh, I, this is something I pledged to do as, as Illinois Attorney General and no other candidates talking about it, and I'm not sure why.
0: So you said before that something the Russians did is prey on existing divisions among Americans. And I think that's really important to recognize that Russia didn't invent racism, which study after study has proven was the main factor driving support for Trump. Russia exploited existing weaknesses to influence our election. How do we respond to these American weaknesses to ensure that, Russian interference or not, we have a functioning culture around our electoral politics?
1: That is such a big question you, you, I'll tell you you guys are asking you're asking some great questions today um, look what I think we all um, are seeing as our in, in our country is we are coming apart as a nation we have we are no longer um, coming together as a country so for example, um, you know back when, I was a kid, uh, there was only really three, four, five television channels, and we all were watching the same news station. We all were reading the same newspaper um, and getting our news from the same source, and we all agreed on the same facts. And we might have differences of opinions about the facts, but they were all, um, we all were sort of talking about the same issues and the same problems. Now we live in a very fractured uh, world where, you know, obviously, uh, conservatives are watching their television networks. The 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 uh, progressives are doing the uh, doing the same thing on their side. We got different sources of information. People are filtering out and getting uh so you know getting echo chambers that are really I think driving us apart. There's very little talking to each other. Uh, both sides paint the other side as evil, and there's very little um you know there's very little conversation and learning and growth. Um, our country desperately needs to come together. We desperately need to agree on our facts. We need people who are principled on both sides. Uh, we need more nonpartisan issues in this country. The the a Russian attack on our election should be a nonpartisan issue. Um, so how do we change that? Well, one thing we need to do is try to promote um, uh, conversation, promote public debate. You know you know one thing that is an issue that i've talked a lot about is net neutrality people haven't really talked a lot about it and what concerns me about net neutrality is not that not as much that the companies are going to charge us more uh the uh, internet service providers are going to charge us more which certainly uh, i'm sure they are looking for the opportunity to do that but what concerns me the most is potentially having internet service providers that filter out content Um, you could imagine Uh, Sean Hannity promoting an internet service provider that filtered out people like me uh, and vice versa. And that's not good for our country. I think we need to have more um, opportunities for us to come together. And I think we also need to try to have more, um, you know, we need to have laws that take action against the manipulation um, of the conversation on social media. So for example, I think that if a foreign entity is spending uh, money on political speech, uh, you know, in in the uh, during an electoral period, uh, they should have, you know, those those um, ads on Facebook, for example, should have a, a a notice as to who's paying for them. I mean, I think that the Russian ads that promoted Trump would have been a lot less effective. Um, if they, uh, uh, you know, if they said paid for by the Russian government or paid for by some shadowy organization that, that people didn't know about, I think what, what, you know, enabled them to be so successful is it seemed like there was really Texans who wanted to secede and then people who are against that or or people, you know, on both sides of, of the Black Lives Matter debate, etc.
0: So switching gears a little bit. Protecting undocumented communities is a key part of resisting Trump. Of course, you, along with the vast majority of Americans, support DREAMers, but as I'm sure you know, the DREAM Act wouldn't cover all immigrants, and it wouldn't even fundamentally fix the problems in our immigration system, which is why folks like myself are going further and calling for comprehensive measures, including ICE abolition. Do you believe that we should abolish ICE? And what measures would you take as Attorney General to protect undocumented Americans?
1: Undocumented Americans uh, live a life of fear, and many of them uh, have lived here for many years and are productive members of our society. Uh, you know, the Republicans, I think, realize that they can't round up and deport millions and millions and millions of people. But they use um, undocumented, uh, excuse me, undocumented Americans as a foil in a way, they use them as a scapegoat, so they, they're a group that is easy for them to pick on uh, and get other people riled up against. Uh, the same thing that they do with transgender Americans, uh, with uh, uh, football players who take a knee on the football field or a number of other, uh, number of other groups, uh, Muslims, etc. Uh, so what do we do about it? Look, you are absolutely right that dreamers are a small slice of undocumented uh, people. Uh, I will say as a side note though that um it's amazing that even though you, as you said most people agree that we should not deport the dreamers uh, it doesn't seem like congress can get their act together to pass a, a bill that would um that would provide for a, a you know congressional dream act once trump decided to end daca uh, i also you know i think that on the state by state level we should be trying to do everything we can to offer sanctuary uh, to undocumented, uh, 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 you know, workers and undocumented uh, residents of of our states. In my state, I'm proud that we have the Trust Act, which does that. Now, federally, the question is, what do we do about that federally? Well, in an ideal world, uh, I think we would have a path to citizenship and very comprehensive immigration reform that encouraged immigration into our country, because frankly, immigration is what makes our country strong. Uh, we have so many you know, immigrants who have contributed a lot to our country, skilled immigrants who've come in and created companies and, and created, you know, helped our communities and created a lot of value. Many of them serve our country. Um, so there, I think that's what we need to do. You know, in terms of whether we abolish ICE or not, um, to get to your question, um, you know, realistically, you know, uh, you know, we, we're so far from getting to a point where we can have any kind of immigration reform nationally. Um, But in the long run, I would like to have an immigration system that was inclusive and welcoming um, and, uh, you know, resembled nothing like the immigration system we have today.
0: So you mentioned earlier your work in the Department of Justice's Securities and Commodities Fraud Section. How would you apply that experience to the Office of Attorney General, especially given the bipartisan assault on regulations, such as the recent attempt by the Senate to roll back the consumer protections passed after the Great Recession?
1: So one of the great victories of the Obama administration is that uh, they created the CFPB, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. It's the uh, the first federal na- nationwide consumer protection bureau that was tasked with protecting consumer rights. Uh, and, of course, financial institutions weren't excited about that. Uh, and so the Trump administration and the Republicans of Congress have been working as hard as possible uh, to roll back the protections of the CFPB. Uh, Trump is appointed at the head, as the head of the consumer uh, bureau, uh, a man who believes that, the, uh, to, that that bureau shouldn't even exist. He's asked for no budget. Uh, and they've rolled back many protections, like for example, uh, there was a rule that said that financial institutions couldn't force us into arbitration, which is uh, essentially saying that financial institutions weren't able to tell you, you can't go to court, you have to go to some private system, private uh, system where it wouldn't be public uh, and there wouldn't be a judge there, there'd be an arbitrator who would decide your dispute with the bank. Well, you know, the Obama administration uh, said banks could not do that now, that's been overturned. So your bank can insert a clause on page, you know, in small print and page four of some long contract um, that says that you're forced into arbitration. Uh, And what that means is if if your bank overcharges you by $100, uh, you know, if you you know, it's not going to be economical for you to hire a lawyer to handle that claim, it's just going to cost you too much. So you're going to have to eat that yourself, uh, as opposed to you know, if if there wasn't an arbitration uh, clause in that in that in that contract, you would be able to have a class action lawsuit where everyone who got harmed by that hundred dollars could band together and go to court. And that's why we need state attorney generals to be more vigorous in enforcement. So I want to create a task force that is going to look at those issues and be proactive, uh, bringing those suits on behalf of all Illinois consumers. And ultimately, I think consumers everywhere are going to benefit from that. Uh, and that's because Uh, the Illinois attorney general can bring a suit on behalf of all the residents of Illinois. Typically, uh, if I wanted to, as a private citizen, wanted to sue on your behalf, I couldn't do it. But the attorney general has that power. And I think, unfortunately, it means that there's going to be more on the plate of uh, state attorney generals for the uh, foreseeable future.
2: So, Renato, I want to follow up on that, but I also want to tie a thread here to the Trump cabinet. So, you mentioned Um, the current head of the CFPB, Mick Mulvaney, he didn't request any new money to actually fund the department. So he's almost just bleeding it dry. But at the same time, we've really seen these stories of just rampant corruption in the Trump cabinet from Steve Mnuchin spending over a million dollars on private flights on military planes or Tom Price or Wilbur Ross or Carl Icahn maybe doing some insider trading when it comes to the tariffs, Kelly and Conway violated the Hatch Act, all of these things seem to happen without any repercussion. What do you think is going to happen in the future if these stories continue to come out? And what is your personal take on all
1: of this? It's funny because I think we're all hit every day with news stories about the Trump administration and what's happening. And we've almost become inocu- inoculated to it, right? I hear so many outrageous things <laughs> every day that I almost forget uh, what what happened last week or the, the week before, because there's so much happening. And, and you listed all those things off. It really paints, I think, a picture of what that administration is all about. And I think the sad thing is, I will tell you as somebody who's been going out and talking to lots of voters, people aren't paying enough attention. People aren't um, learning uh, enough about what is happening with that administration. And it's it's hard. It's because everyone's working two jobs struggling to make ends meet. Uh, and I think what's happening is um, the Trump administration is the, the one of the, the few things that they're doing that's very effective is they are bleeding our government dry. They are shrinking our government by um, through inaction and inattention and, and a lack of resources. Uh, and that's the stuff. That can be effective because it goes under our radar. We all pay attention to Trump's tweets or to some big announcement he makes. But what we don't pay attention to is when he appoints these people as the head of, agency, of, the, of agencies who declare that they're not going to do anything, uh, whether it's Mulvaney or Scott Pruitt at the head of the EPA and who, who basically, you know, slowly but surely uh, neuter those agencies. And I think what we need to do as citizens, and particularly, you know, because of uh, this podcast, we're talking to millennials. We need to get off our bots and we need to get informed. We need to get our friends informed. If you're the one who's active, you need to get your friends uh, active in the political process. We have to be more engaged or else, frankly, we're going to lose our country uh, to these corrupt people. Are you optimistic for the 2018 midterms? I am optimistic, uh, but it's really... a a small part of the battle, you know, a lot of us watch uh, movies, whether they're the Lord of the Rings or, uh, or superhero movies, and there's always a, you know, the the heroes always seem like they're in a desperate spot. And then there's various turning points. And we're we're still uh, in pretty dark times here. So even if we take back the house, um, that's going to be important, because the house can conduct investigations, the house can block uh, Trump from doing certain things. But in terms of getting things done, one thing about the way that um, the founders of our country created the constitution is it's hard to get things done without controlling multiple branches of government. Right now, the Republicans control everything. The presidency, the Senate, the House, the Supreme Court, almost all the state governorships and state legislatures. So we've got to try to take back as many levels of that as possible so that we can redo, you know, undo the damage. It's not going to be enough to, to be able to block some of the things that Trump is doing. We're going to have to try to you know get move the country back in a positive direction and that's going to take a lot of work. So, you know, even if we have this blue wave in November and I'm optimistic about that and we all have to work towards it and not assume it's going to happen, you know, we've got a long way to go. So,
2: Renato, your primary election is on Tuesday, March 20th. It's coming up, there's not much time left. How can folks find out more about you and potentially get involved in the last few days?
1: Sure. So they can go to renatomariotti.com. I know it's a strange name, R-E-N-A-T-O-M-A-R-I-O-T-T-I.com. Um, but look, you know what? The most important thing you can help us do is get out the vote. Uh, you know, getting out the word um, through all the different the social media devices you use. You know, inter, You know, texting conversations with your friends, getting people out to vote, and then you can go and volunteer on our website to make calls and text. We do a lot of text banking. Um, to try to get out the vote on Tuesday, because ultimately, the, if young people turn out, I can win this race. And you know what? If young people turned out the way that uh, elderly people turned out, we wouldn't have Donald Trump as our president. That's how important this election is, and it's how important every election is going to be in the, in the years to come. Okay, great. Thank you so
0: much for coming on today. It's really great to hear your opinion on russia as well as all of these issues and how you hope to use your office to affect change as attorney general
1: thank you very much thanks for having me on
0: yeah of course so again to our listeners the illinois primary is on the 20th so if you're in illinois make sure to vote if you know folks in illinois tell them to vote we cannot have a progressive blue wave unless we actually turn out if you want to hear more about candidates running in these midterm elections whether they be for attorney general governor, or Congress, make sure to follow Millennial Politics on social media, subscribe to our newsletter at millennialpolitics.co, and stay tuned for the next episode of our podcast. Thanks for listening.